Welcome to the show, everyone. We have a very special guest for you today. He is a master in martial arts, the original Kung Lao actor from the classic MK2 and 3 video games. He's an author and musician. Welcome to the show, the Kung Fu rock star himself, <laughs> Anthony Marquez. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? A pleasure to be here. Yeah. Amazing to have you on the show. Um, thank you uh, for taking time to do it. I know you're real busy. This being the 30th anniversary of Mortal Kombat, of course. Yes. Correct. Yes, exactly. Right off the bat, this is uh, more of a martial art-based show. We have all different styles of martial arts listening. You have a lifetime of martial arts under your belt. How did you get into martial arts? What led you to that? Oh, it was, uh, I was four years old. I was in the Philippines. Uh, my uncle took me to, to go see a movie. It was a double feature. The first movie was like some sort of a, a sci-fi movie. I don't really remember it. But then the second movie, there's this guy and he walks into this Japanese karate school and he tears it up <laughs> and I'm sitting there and my jaws my, is in my hands and I'm just amazed at what I'm watching. And from that point, it's like, that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. Uh, that guy was Bruce Lee. The movie was Chinese Connection or Fist of Fury, depending on where you saw it. And from that point on, I was just hooked on martial arts. I kept bugging my parents, hey, I need to do martial arts. I need to do martial arts. Uh, eventually, they relented, and I started in uh, Chinese martial arts, and I haven't looked back since. <laughs> wow. Wow, amazing. Yeah, you have, like I said, a lifetime of that. And I know you have an amazing book that came out. And, and you have so many amazing stories within the book itself that kind of deep dives in your training and stuff overall. You had a lot of competitions you have done as well. And there's one I'd like you, if you could, go into from uh, Kung Fu Rockstar. You guys get this on Amazon, anywhere online. Kung Fu Rockstar, my story of martial arts, Mortal Kombat, and the quest for rock stardom. With a, a very good quote on the back by a certain someone, uh, I might add as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you go into, there was a one time you were, doing a competition and there was a leg injury yes so it's it's one of those things and this is what i love about training and about and about martial arts and uh, the the warrior mindset uh and it doesn't matter to in my in my opinion whether whether it's in the cage in the ring uh doing katas or whatever you're happening to do everybody's always you know, especially when you're training and once you're, once you're in martial arts, uh, you understand that, you know, pain is part of everything. Uh, uh, getting injured is part of uh, the, the journey. But especially in competition and especially being in front of people, nobody wants to look bad. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. afraid to... To, uh, to look bad in front of their friends, in front of their family, uh, to let themselves down or whatever. Anyway, that being said, so uh, I'm competing. It's the, uh, I'm trying to uh, win this national championship, this national wushu championship. And it's a series of uh, tournaments or whatever. And in one particular tournament at the Battle of Atlanta, I'm doing my thing or whatever. And, you know, uh, in Wushu, there's a lot of acrobatics and a lot of uh, gymnastic styles, uh, things that uh, occur within your routines or whatever. Uh, and I'm going to do my, you know, my, uh, my jumping kicks and uh, twists and spins and all of this good stuff. 
and I hear something rip, and it's very early in the competition. And I thought, oh my God, did I just rip my pants? I don't want to be running around, you know, with a big <laughs> hole in my pants or whatever. Uh, but then I, I quickly realized it was my knee, my knee, you know, I tore oh the uh, uh, medial collateral ligament. And I didn't know that at the time, but it was very much, okay, you know what? Uh, and, and all of this happened very quickly. And, um, you know, through training, okay, there's an injury. But if I can keep moving, my body won't know about this. My, my body can keep going until it won't stop going. There's only, you know, this was like my last year of competition. This is the last time I can do this. And so you, you're, you're there. It's like, okay, do you give up or do you go until the wheels fall off? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, and then when the wheel falls off, start grind, uh, grinding the axle but you just have to keep moving forward and that's what that's what one of those moments wow. uh, were uh oh man yeah. that's insane yes and you know so you got this uh this uh you know the you, you, you know, the the ligament is torn i didn't know which ligament it was you know until after i went uh, uh to see the doctor or whatever but i knew that there, yeah, there was a turn my turn my knee but you just you know it's it, one of those things where you just have to persevere you have to keep moving you have no matter what happens if you have a goal in your head you're going to achieve this goal or you're going to grind you're going to grind the axle and then and then it's over so whatever anyway i ended up yeah. winning that competition wow. which uh <laughs> but, it, but it's that it's that warrior's edge mindset it's, and again it doesn't matter uh how it's presented in the ring, in the cage, in life. This is, you know, this, I think as martial artists, this is this is one of those things that we strive for. A million percent. Yeah, it's such an amazing story. Yeah, and push, persevering, pushing through, and wind up winning by that mindset. That's absolutely amazing story. Was that the worst injury you ever had to get past? Um, I guess that was the worst, you know, throughout my martial arts career. Uh, the medial collateral ligament damage to my right knee, the tendon damage that I also had to have surgically repaired in my right ankle at another competition, the uh, various bumps and bruises, you know, everybody gets knocked out, every, you know, even in training. Yeah. Johnny Cage, another of the Mortal Kombat actors, has knocked me out uh, multiple times. <laughs> you know, some, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes those spinning hook kicks just, come in and <laughs> find their mark <laughs> wham you know that's yes. the other interesting thing because you be you're training with other friends so that's daniel piscina for those listening johnny cage all, basically all the ninjas from the first uh two more comic video games um yes. that's what's interesting when you're training like whether it's wushu uh brazilian jiu-jitsu mma well you name it some of your best friends are the guys that are simulating murder against you, you know? Yes. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I think that's another of those things that is so important when you have, you know, a, a tight team, uh, somebody that, that you can trust, but you know are, are, is going to push you, you know, whether it's grappling, whether it's boxing, whether it's uh, whatever it happens to be. You need those guys around you where everyone is pushing and pulling each other. You know, sometimes you're pulling your team along. Like, look, you have to match my intensity. Sometimes they're pushing you. 
oh yeah, you have a match coming up. You have to get through this shark tank. And so they're pushing you and you're like, dude, I'm, you know, you, you feel it like, dude, I'm dying. I can't get out from under you. Like, <laughs> you know what? You think this is bad. You know, and these are your guys that are, that are training with you. What about when you're, when in your match in the cage or whatever, and the other person has bad intentions, <laughs> you only want to train at that, that worst possible scenario so that the, the fight the, or whatever it happens to be is much easier than, <laughs> than yeah. what you think yeah. it's going to be. <laughs> that's totally true. Yeah. And that's the other thing, you know, a lot of people listening do train in uh, one style martial art or another and, uh, or combat sports. And we're some good, like, life lessons and or maybe wisdom you can impart upon them doing like i said a lifetime of training in multiple styles because people do run into whether it's plateauing an injury maybe just some people just feel maybe negative along the way or whatever sure. any setbacks what kind of wisdom or just tips or whatnot can you not just people listening but your students what do you usually tell them to help them persevere and see that target oh sure it uh, very much Love what you're doing and always, you know, and again, it doesn't matter if it's martial arts, relationships, life or whatever. Remember that you, you do this stuff because you love it. You, you know, there, there's something about it that you love. And yeah, sometimes you get tired. Sometimes you're injured. Sometimes it seems like you're not moving forward. And especially when, you know, it's like, oh, do I want to go to the gym today? Do I want to train? Like we have, you know. Especially here, we have this opportunity, martial arts or combat sports or whatever. We're free to have these opportunities to train, to become better in this situation. I'd hate to say it's not, you know, life and death, even though, you know, there a lot of time, you know, there's a life and let's not get that twisted. There's life and death on the line, you know, when, when you're striking, when you're competing or whatever. So I'm not downplaying that, but on a day-to-day -day level, it's typically not life and death. This is a choice that you have and it's an opportunity that you have to, to do what you love. And if you, if you started these things or whatever it happens to be, and you have the opportunity to do what you love, I don't see how you can turn your back on that. And maybe, you know, Maybe from my perspective now, uh, I'm no longer chasing championships or whatever. You know, those things are things way in the past, but it's a, it's an opportunity to, to do what I love. And so I don't see how anyone can, can, can turn their back on that. If, if you truly love something, it's, it's, it's always going to be in your heart. And if you have an opportunity to work on it, to develop it, how can you turn your back on that? Yeah, that, man, that's, yeah, that's profound. It's, it's completely true. Um, and it's interesting too. So, because, uh, especially with martial arts, there's kind of no great area. Like you either, man, uh, I'm not really into this. I tried it. I'm not really into it. Or where's this been my whole life? And, yeah. <laughs> um, there's no, like really in the middle, like, yeah, let's give it a couple years. No, you, you kind of know within the first class or whatever, or at least the first month, between that and like a couple of months, six months, 12 months, so on and so forth. You know, the people have been doing it for a year, two years, moving, you know, so on and so forth. Some people do hit that, that plateau or they start losing uh, sure. interest or the love with it. Uh, do you have any advice for uh, you give your students and, and people like starting to trail off of that path? Sure. You know, uh, and again, you know, it doesn't matter 
oh, what kind of martial art you're doing or whatever. There's so many aspects to training that you could go down. And so, okay, you know, whether, like, whether it, let's uh, talk about wushu. Uh, I don't, you know, I feel like I plateaued, you know, doing, uh, my flexible weapons or my long weapons. Oh, well, you can work on your, you know, various aspects. Maybe you want to work on your internal arts, like your tai chi. Maybe there's something uh, physical that, uh, you know, your, your physical training that you could uh, improve upon, you know. So you kind of go through the motions in the wushu, but no, you know what, in terms of weight training, in terms of conditioning, maybe I'll uh, spend more time on that. Maybe it's, uh, you know, again, talking about Chinese martial arts, maybe I'm, uh, I'm, I've kind of plateaued in the... Uh, talu or the the forms part of it maybe i'll uh, i'll try more sanda or you know the kickboxing element of it and so there you know it doesn't matter what you're doing you know that there's this there's this joy in you know when we're talking about martial arts there's this joy so leave the door you know leave the door open explore other other avenues of the of the art that uh, you, you've chosen to do and if it gets to a point where you know what maybe uh you know Maybe I've been boxing for a while. Maybe why do people do jujitsu? Let's find out. Let's you know. Let's let's give that a go. And you know, you you may develop a love for jujitsu too, or maybe you'll find out that okay, I tried jujitsu. Maybe that's not my thing, and I haven't boxed in a while. You know, what? I'm going back to boxing, and and this is what I love, or vice versa. You know, but but martial arts is and the. It's so rich (laughs) and it's given all of us the, you know, uh, the opportunities to do what we love. And again, you know, and that's one of those great things about mixed martial arts also that, you know, uh, you, you can spend more time striking or grappling or, you know, wrestling submissions, whatever it happens to be. So yeah, if you, if you're, especially if you're starting to feel stagnant or whatever, uh, Think about, think about the other avenues, whether it's uh, physical or mental conditioning, whether it's, um, you know, uh, trying a new art or trying to add, add things to your arsenal. And, but there's just so much to do. I don't yeah. see, you know, for me, but, you know, it, being a lifelong martial arts fan, I don't see how you walk away from this stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. And I do like to say you hear a lot. Uh, even in martial arts, like age is just a number. No, a- age has a factor. Um, yeah, but you can, you know, I have guys that start in their sixties. I got people that start when they're kids. I like everything in between. It's just like when it's your birthday. It's like, what's it feel like being one year older? It's like I don't really have a. I don't know. It does. It's too close of a reference. But if you say, what's it like being in your forties and now uh, compared to your twenties? Like, oh, I can tell you everything. I <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So through the years, you know, comparing like your training, what not just goals, was training in general from when you're like in your your teens, twenties to now. Like, what's your mindset? What's your overall focus uh, for your own kind of personal training on that? Oh, it it, it is uh, something. Okay, so like you know, especially as a, as a kid, you're just doing things because you, you you're just you enjoy doing this stuff or whatever. And then you know, especially like through your later for me uh you know through my later teen years and through my 20s your competition you know where your competition is you know what they're doing and you know that there's no way that they're going to outwork you they're you know so you keep pushing you keep grinding you know injuries don't matter all of these type of things you know especially for a competitive martial artist and then 
for, for me, it, uh, you know, happened like at the, in the later part of my 20s and then moving into the 30s or whatever. Okay, serving myself, you know, trying to be the best or whatever, that, that very much served myself. But you get to a point where this is no longer something that you can chase or whatever. But now it's maybe time, like, you know, for, for me, you know, like in my 30s or whatever, it became, oh, this is no longer something that I want to do for me to be the best, but maybe I can help other people uh, go on this journey also. And so that's when, you know, I, uh, I opened my school and started uh, uh, teaching everybody else. And that's when my son started uh, uh, to really get involved in martial arts or whatever. And then decades down the line from that, it becomes, it is, it is funny. You get to that point. And I think I'm reaching that point now. Okay, so you, you try to be the best. Uh, you're trying to, you know, help the community, you know, uh, give your knowledge to the community or whatever. And then you get to a point where you maybe start looking backwards and start reflecting. And now you're this, you know, like the old, you know, old sage, the old warrior yeah. that, that sits there and can tell stories to the kids about how this was and it's almost like you become almost like a fictional character yeah. where like you're king conan sitting on the throne yeah. telling yeah. <laughs> telling stories for another time <laughs> but it is very much that it's very much from you know just having this youthful joy to, from something to becoming competitive and wanting to be the best to giving back to the community to then getting to a point where you f start reflecting on, you know, what, what is it going to look like, but, you know, when you're no longer active, when you're no longer on the floor, when you're no longer an active part of the gym and, you know, what will people think of you? And more importantly, what impact have you had on your community? If you're good with that, or, you know, if there's something more that you could give uh, to the community so that to leave a, to leave a, a positive impression. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, because there, there's so many like lifetimes that go into one lifetime, so to speak. There's so many different yes. phases. So many different phases. Uh, I, I wanted you to go into this other story, too. You started with Wushu. At some point, there was an interesting story for you just to get to China, let alone train in China. Uh, yeah. Uh, how you even like made that happen? Because it wasn't like, especially with your parents, wasn't like, there was a little uh, finagling you had to do to make yes. this work. So, and, and, and I love this. So, uh, just to kind of give a little backstory here. Mao Zedong had now taken control of China. So now there's uh, the People's Republic of China. And the government before that had moved to Taiwan to establish the Republic of China. But there's no formal diplomatic relations between the U.S. and the People's Republic of China. So that, that's what's going on. President Nixon was trying to open a door, trying to, trying to establish a, a relationship with China. And that's when Jet Li and the Beijing Wushu team came, came to America. Uh, they did this uh, famous show on the White House lawn. So that's kind of the setting. A couple of years after that, Jet Li started in this movie called Shaolin Temple, which was another of those movies that changed my life. And like from doing traditional Kung Fu or whatever, or being inspired by like the Jackie, or from the Bruce Lee to Jackie Chan style of Chinese martial arts, I was then inspired to do this type of martial arts, competitive wushu, because of Jet Li. 
So I asked my parents, hey, you know what, I, I need to go to China. Everyone's going to China to, to train with the Beijing Wushu team and the whole nine yards. And, you know, my dad's a little bit older and he's like, ah, oh, you know, you can't go to China. Nobody goes to Red China. No, you know, <laughs> he, he keeps going on about, you know, the, that's what it was referred to at the time. Red China. Like, you know, I kept bugging my parents about this thing. I, you know, I couldn't do this on my own. I, financially, I couldn't do it on my own. Uh, I was still uh, very young. And so eventually my dad relented and he came home one day and he came, you know, he brought uh, uh, a visa application. But I noticed that the visa application was for the Republic of China. And it's like, Dad, this is this isn't the right <laughs> uh, visa application. And again, you get, you know, oh, you know, yeah, you, you can't. I told you that you can't go to Red China. There's there's no way to get to Red China. There's, uh, yeah, yeah. If you want to go to China, you're going to Taiwan because there's no way to get to to China. Uh, <laughs> there was though uh, a consulate, I believe, in like in California, that there's a consulate for the People's Republic of China. And so I had to figure out how to, how to get my application there. Eventually, I was able to get over there, and it, it was me and Ho Sung Pak, uh, who, who played Liu Kang. So that, that's what, this is how this, uh, these things always uh, tie together, you know, yeah. whether it's a, a, a strong team of me, Danny, Ho, everybody who did Mortal Kombat. And, you know, we did Mortal Kombat, but we, before that, we were just the best of friends who trained together and you know it, uh, like in the game the you know Liu kang and kung lao train together at the shaolin temple there's always a uh you know they're brothers but there's a rivalry between them and it's the same thing with uh ho sung and myself we train together we <laughs> train in china together you know we would push each other yeah, and there's a rivalry or whatever but uh, you know so that's how all of this stuff comes together <laughs> and yeah so we were able to train in China. We were uh, able to train in, uh, we trained in Nanjing uh, with one of the uh, teammates of Jet Li uh, that was on the Beijing Wushu team. His, his name is Wang Jinbao. But anyway, uh, and, you know, wow. so that, that's, that's the story. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. again, just, just, you know, it was nothing more than, than perseverance. Like, oh, you know, it, it, even your, your dad is telling you, yeah, this can't happen. Nobody does this. And it's like, we're going to figure out a way to do this, Dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the end of the day, you have a goal, a dream. You, you know, you figure a way to go do it. Yes. And, and sometimes it's, you know, it's, a, it's as easy as, as that. If I can, I got another real quick story. Just, go for just it. exactly like that. Recently, just uh, just over the the weekend or whatever, I was at uh, the Cleveland Gaming Convention, you know, doing one of these uh, 30th anniversary things or whatever. But before the convention, I go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh wow! Okay, and I've never been there. It's like you know, so we get to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's this Nine Inch Nails ceremony going on, and then a private ceremony. We get there at four, and they say, "Oh, we're closing at five o'clock or whatever for this private ceremony." It's like, all right, that's cool. We got an hour to walk around and, you know, see everything. But we buy our tickets. And then right then they say, oh, we're actually closing now. Everyone, you're going to get a refund on their tickets. But, um, you know, the, they apologize and we're cl they're closing. But it was kind of a kind of disorganized, you know, at that point. Uh -oh. And so we're just kind of like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And I kind of meander towards the escalator and I get cat. <laughs> get past everybody and then you know uh go down the escalator and then it becomes oh there's just one more guard to get past 
first <laughs> in order to get into the <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So then my manager, he's there with me and he's talking to the guard or whatever. And he goes, oh yeah, we're in town for this, the show. Have you ever heard of Mobile Combat? Yappity, yappity, yap. And then the guard just, you know what, here, here's your passes, have at it or whatever. And so we, we get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. One of the things that irks me though, is I, I've always told everybody that would listen, somehow I'm going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I'm getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I actually meant that I wanted to be inducted into the <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I feel like I've burned one of my genie wishes <laughs> you know, yeah. by getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this way. But this is one of those things too. It becomes, you know, Everybody has a goal, but the, the, the clearer that you have that goal, the, the clearer that you can state it, the clearer that you could see it, the, the clearer the path to that goal will be. So yeah. <laughs> that's one of those uh, cautionary tales. Like, yeah, I'm getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but it, I've never, it was never clearly stated that I'm going to become get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So just whoever's listening, if, you know, when you're hearing this story, think about, yeah, clearly define your goal, whatever that happens to be. See it as clearly as possible. Speak of it as clearly as possible. And that will really, really help you get to the point that you want to be at. <laughs> That's a great point. Actually, a great uh, segue to go into specifically you playing Kung Lao. Like originally, I'll have you just kind of go more to comment one Originally, you were supposed to be in that. We'll go into that real quick and how you almost not get into more comma two. Can you go into more yes. comma one into getting the Kung Lao role? Sure. Okay. So Danny and, uh, you know, all my other pals are working, you know, they're, they tell me that they're working on this video game or whatever, and they're filming something for a video game. And, you know, this is a time of Pac-Man and uh, Mario Brothers and Donkey Kong and all of these cool things or whatever. It's like, all right, that's cool. You're working on a video game or whatever. And then the week before, like, oh, yeah, you could work on this, too. You're going to shoot something. Uh, Danny tells me, you're, you're, I think you're going to shoot some ninja characters or something like that. Like, oh, that would be awesome. Anyway, a couple of days before we're going to shoot or whatever, I'm in the weight room. It's early in the morning. And I'm on the leg press. And I'm not paying attention. And I pull off one of the 45, but not saying that there's a 25 pound plate in front of that. So I pulled the 45, the 25 dropped on my foot, breaks my foot. And, you know, um, this is, this affects your balance or whatever. So, uh, you know, I can't film this, you know, the role that they wanted me to film. It's like, oh, you know what, that's fine, whatever. And then that, that video game that they're, creating ended up being Mortal Kombat, obviously. And so now, you know, everybody's going crazy over Mortal Kombat. And this is this is like a, a worldwide phenomenon. You see it on magazines, you're seeing TV ads for this game. You see it on C-SPAN where uh, uh, Senator yeah, Lieberman is talking about the violence in video games and trying to ban the video games. So no matter where you're looking, you see Mortal Kombat. And it's like, it's oh my God, I can't Yes, and I can't believe I missed my opportunity to, to be in Mortal Kombat. And then they start work on Mortal Kombat 2. And, okay, look, I need to get into this one because I love my guys. I, you know, I, I, I love Danny. I love Hosung. I love Carlos. I, all of those guys. But 
but you know there's that competitiveness between us also it's like i can't believe i'm watching all of you guys you know everywhere i turn <laughs> you know getting pressed for mortal combat i need to be in there too <laughs> and, and goal, so, right? that goal right yes. uh, and so you know uh then then the, this is where the story gets a little tricky or whatever danny knows i want to do this next game or whatever and but the co-creator john tobias who's uh, the lead artist on this somehow danny's now telling me that he thinks that i'm too skinny to be whoever the the character they want me to play okay and then so i tell them you know what danny give me four weeks give me four weeks let me get in shape and then we're gonna you know then let me talk to tobias and so you know i'm doing whatever getting in shape and i don't even know okay you know as, as i tell this story the four weeks had any change or whatever but i knew that i'm going to do everything in my power in order to make this happen i get the tobias to come to our gym or whatever and essentially auditioning for him it wasn't really an audition but you know i'm kicking i'm you know i'm doing everything you know we're uh, we're working out together and i'm showing him look i know you're looking for another cast member for mortal Kombat. there's no way there's no way that i'm not that guy and then a couple days later uh tobias comes back and says yes we'd love to have you on and then he showed me the uh, the initial sketches of kung lao you can see that he's leaner than Liu Kang or Johnny Cage or whatever, but there's this attitude about him. And like, bro, this Kung Lao character has now morphed into me. It is, it's crazy. You know, there's this line where you no longer even know where the character starts and where the actor ends or whatever, you know. And, but it's, it was always those things where it's like, there's this goal that, yes, I need to be in Mortal Kombat because all my guys are in Mortal Kombat. And somehow this is going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'll do everything in my power to make it happen. And here we are 30 years later talking <laughs> about this thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And having that goal, right? Uh, having that wake up call, the goal to go into it, not giving up and going through uh, originally the broken toe and then going into yes. that against all odds. Like, oh, we want this guy to be bigger. And it's like, no, right. no, I'm, I'm this guy. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, and this is, you know, sometimes you try to make yourself into something that somebody, you know, a role that they're looking for. And sometimes you're able to make the role into who you are. And, and that's one of those things about Mortal Kombat, especially the, the original games and the, the lightning in the bottle that, uh, that is those original games. Yeah. When you think about, you know, the, the programming that's involved and the story that's involved and uh, the martial artists that are involved, there was very much lightning in a bottle. But when you think about those characters also, like Danny, or let's uh, talk about Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage is a, you know, a worldwide celebrity with, you know, fans around the world. And I, I, maybe some of your uh, viewers uh, know who Danny Casina is. He's this lifelong martial artist who's a worldwide celebrity with fans around the world. Uh, who is Liu Kang? Liu Kang was the, the champion of Mortal Kombat. And who is Ho Sung Pak? Ho Sung Pak, especially at that time, was this undefeated NASCA champion uh, for three years in a row or whatever. And he was the champion. He was the, the, best, the, the best martial artist you know, for what we did in the country. He was, he was the champion and carlos piscina carlos piscina 
played Raiden, and Raiden kind of controls Mortal Kombat behind the scenes for the most part. Uh, Carlos also worked behind the scenes on Mortal Kombat uh, as an artist, as someone who pulled in uh, various uh, people for, for stunt work or whatever. He actually controlled a lot of Mortal Kombat behind the scenes. And Jax is, Jax is somebody, like if you met, have you, if you ever met John Parrish, he's just, just a big, loud military guy. And <laughs> Jax is just a big, loud military guy. So there's a lot of crossover between who the original players were and how those characters developed. <laughs> yeah. Which says a lot about Richard Divizio. Yeah, oh my, yes, and Richard Divizio. <laughs> Richard Divizio. Okay, when you when you think of Rich, Rich is your everyman. He's not, you know, he's your everyman who has a great skill set, but at the end of the day, is just looking, you know, to pay his bills and uh, to get a paycheck. There you Kano, <laughs> Kano, really, 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 maybe, maybe he's a bad guy, but but really, at the end of the day, you know. He, he's just a guy who has a great skill set who's looking for, you know, he's a mercenary looking for a paycheck. So, so that's, who, that's who we are. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah. And Tony, if you go into your Mortal Kombat quote of the pixels. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So that, that's one of those things. It is one of the, you know, because at that time, there's, uh, there was uh, this game called Pit Fighter that, uh, was, uh, that came out during that same time. And I don't know if anybody actually remembers Pit Fighter, but it was a, you know, a digitized game or whatever. And you had, uh, had the actors who were, you know, doing the, doing, uh, uh, the fight moves or whatever. But somehow that didn't really pick up for Mortal Kombat, you know. Again, just uh, talking about Danny and Hosung and Rich, Carlos, myself, or whatever. There's just the personality in the pixels. The whether it's Rich, who's the average guy looking for a paycheck, whether it's Hosung Pack, the the champion, whether it's Danny Pacino, who's Johnny Cage, is this worldwide celebrity. It, you can't get around that. You know, besides the program being programming besides the art besides everything about the game the personality and the pixels really comes through and i think this is one of those things that really makes mortal kombat stand apart from from the rest of video games to tell you the truth <laughs> i 100 percent back that up i mean that's was one of the lightning in the bottle or the magic of that was yeah. you know nothing was done like that at the, up to that point and yeah each actor each person brought their own personality into that and it came across so well instead of being like a, a robotic you know gameplay and i think it's poetic you did finally in revolution x you finally get to play a ninja yeah so yeah. i did get to play a ninja oh and yeah so i finally got to play a ninja revolution x was uh made with um aerosmith and so that's how a lot you know <laughs> <laughs> you know, Aerosmith's one of the you know greatest bands in history, and that's one of those things where you know it was just karma or whatever. Because yeah, you know what? I'm a ninja. 
Uh, I also want to be in a band. I, I, I love music. <laughs> I love performing. And so, you know, uh, the universe saying, yeah, you know what? Uh, you finally get to be a ninja and this is going to be the precursor to your rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, which inevitably you got to do. Kung Lao and the Scorpions. Or, <laughs> and I had the pleasure to, to be able to jam with you guys one night. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. But you had an interesting way of looking at it. You know, like, hey, you know, like approaching, like, performing on stage musically uh you went up to like one of your first performances ever was like a big show like a big big show yeah it wasn't like you like baby stepped her way in it was like hey we're here we're in front of thousands of people here we go and you had a mindset about you know how to perform Can you go into that yeah so and that's one of those things you know uh again getting back to you know martial arts or whatever nobody's afraid to get hurt everyone's afraid to look bad uh, but especially uh, in martial arts knowing that okay you know what we have this goal let's take these baby steps be successful in these baby steps you know oh i i, I want to be a rock star okay but you don't start out as a rock star maybe you start by taking voice lessons maybe you you know figure out uh how you're going to uh, present yourself on stage and especially uh, you know in uh, competitive martial arts you, you're doing this in front of crowds in front of an audience or whatever it's just not the especially in wushu it's not just the punch and the kick or whatever there's a, a style <laughs> that has to come across in those punches and kicks and you know you could have a hundred people doing those same uh, punches and kicks but when you add that flavor that personality that makes you stand out that's what helps you rise in your performance and so all of those things came into play as a band member and a part of you know being the front man of this band knowing that oh okay so this is new to me this is my first rock and roll show but i performed in front of huge crowds hundreds of times i i know how to do this i know how to engage the crowd that's one of those other things you know doing wushu you know how to you develop this thing how to to pull in an audience or whatever and sometimes even like fighters you know it's something is very easy as like one of my fighters he's fighting it's a great match he gets mount and he starts dropping bombs from mount and then he just raises his hand just for a second not as a cocky thing but he just raises his hand and then he goes back to doing this thing and it's those type of personality things that really you know, separates the technician from the artist. And this is one of those things that we learn through being in front of crowds and being able to play for crowds. And I hate it when it becomes too manufactured, but if there's just this honesty, this, this, this honesty of the love for what you're doing, I think that really comes across to an audience. So, you know, that love, that being able to perform, being it, having the opportunity to perform, whether it's martial arts or whether it's rock and roll, there's this love, this undeniable, intense love for doing it that, that I think comes across. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that and then some. And one of my personal favorite things is when you bust out the three-section staff, there's <laughs> always an amazing, move over, David Lee Roth, hold my yes, but, yeah. but that's one of those <laughs> things, you know, you've seen David Lee Roth do this stuff, you know, whether with a broadsword or a staff or whatever, it's like, Bro, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I got you there, man. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you train in many styles. Can you, uh, real briefly, kind of go into some of the styles you train? I mean, 
obviously wushu, but there's a, I believe it was like Eastern style, and not to mention you went got into Sanda, so on and so forth. Can you kind of go into some of your your martial arts styles of training? Sure. So, like I originally started out with uh, like traditional Chinese martial arts, traditional kung fu. So, and that was like seven star praying mantis. You know, that, that, that like the the stuff that you see in like the old Shaw brother movies, things like that. Okay, I love that stuff. And then I moved into competitive wushu, like the, and that would be like the stuff that Jet Li does. So there's two parts uh, to wushu. There's taolu, which is the forms and weapons, and sanda, which is the like the Chinese kickboxing. And so I did both of those. Growing up, my dad boxed in the Navy. He's a big boxing enthusiast. So, you know, he taught my brothers and I how to box. And then eventually I made it to Thailand and fell in love with Muay Thai. The UFC and, you know, mixed martial arts was getting big at this time. And, okay, what is this mixed martial arts stuff? Oh, you need to be able to, to strike. You need to be able to wrestle. And you better have some sort of some sort of way to deal with people on the ground. And so, you know, so then, oh, you know what? We have to learn how to wrestle a little bit, have to bring in some guys to teach some uh, jujitsu. And so that's how I got into jujitsu and wrestling. Uh, Muay Thai was something that, you know, I just kind of fell in love with. These are all the things that I do that we teach at the gym. And it's just a a joy to do this thing. Uh, And I just uh, just want to touch on this real quick. Yeah, I love jujitsu. But my approach to jujitsu would be like from a striker perspective where, you know, you're trying to keep the fight standing. If you, if you can do that, that's great. If you're taken down, you bet, you, you better be able to play a little bit of guard. You be, better be able to sweep. You better be able to maybe throw some submissions off your back. And if you could catch something like on top, that'd be awesome or whatever. Uh, and that's kind of where like my personal jujitsu okay. stems from. But yeah. then I was just watching the one championship yeah. over the weekend or whatever. And, you know, I'm watching these guys. They, they have their grappling championship. So there is like the jujitsu of like maybe the, the Gracie's originally. And then maybe some of the like the Japanese shoot wrestling or whatever. All of these things that kind of kind of built a grappling game of like that first iteration of mm-hmm. MMA or whatever. And then you have like, you know, uh, who, like my favorite would be like Marcelo Garcia. Yeah. Uh, always being able to get to the back, get to the back, get to the back. And then, you know, someone like uh, Eddie Bravo with this rubber guard thing, yeah. you know, which is <laughs> craziness. But then watching the match this weekend, it was, you know, uh, I forget the players, but he started on the ground. And uh, there was no hardly any back taking, no, no, no top pressure. It was all about like leg locks and, and everything. It's crazy how things just keep evolving. And I'm watching this and it's like, wow, this jujitsu looks so different from jujitsu that I would be familiar with. You know, that, that there's, yes. there's, no, there's maybe one second of maybe somebody trying to take somebody's back, but it was all about uh, defending the leg locks and the heels. <laughs> it, it was crazy. It was <laughs> It's crazy. It's evolved so much. I mean, the jujitsu you see in schools now is not, by by far and large, is more more like on a sports side, I guess you would say, and definitely more leg lock. And that trickles down. It trickles down from above, meaning all the world champions, if they start winning via leg locks, then because leg locks have been around forever. Yeah. uh, You know, it wasn't looked uh, upon as trained, and now people weren't training that, so there's holes in the game. But I think that's the other thing with. 
not just uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, Aikido, uh, branches, different branches of Kung Fu. I remember doing a lesson with Daniel Piscina. I think he was, he was going in the realm of like Bagua or something like this mm-hmm. nature. And what was some all this made for? It was made for war. What was war back then? They had swords. They had, sure. you know, they had like these weapons. Later, later on, it was like machine guns and stuff like that. Right, right, right. So you see someone, I see like, okay, if I do, you see Bruce Lee or something, do like, wow, you don't even really, you blink your eye, you don't see like, this guy just did three moves in a yeah. split second. That's what amazed me. So you can go into like, a lot of this was trained because weapons were involved. It's it's evolved. Like if you look at Sanda now, for example, compared to something more like traditional style of Kung Fu, things have evolved quite a bit. Yes, but 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 even even Sanda, like okay, so let, let if we're if we're talking about Sanda, Sanda is you know fought on a, a race platform, you know the punching, kicking, takedowns, and whatever. But a lot of that, you know, one way that you can win a Sanda match is to push somebody off the platform, and you do this twice, uh, you win the round or whatever. But that was born from back in the day, you know. They would fight on, you know, whether you're on a building or a race platform there, it would be high enough where you throw the person, you know, you could punch, you could kick, you do whatever. But if you throw this person off the building, if you throw them off the race platform, it was high enough. They're not coming back. They're not. (laughs) The fight's essentially over. (laughs) And so, so yeah, so that's, that's, you know, that's why Chani Sanders fought on a race platform when we're like practicing spear or whatever. Uh, if you're familiar with like the Chinese spear, there's the, the horse hair or whatever that, you know, there's there's the, the, the tip. And then there's like, it looks like red hair or whatever. And then you have the shaft and it looks cool when you're manipulating it and looks very cool. But that horse hair, that red hair there is originally there so that when you thrust your spear into somebody, the blood doesn't trickle down onto the spear shaft, impeding your ability to manipulate the weapon. So it's all of these type of things. Same thing with the, you know. Like when you're watching wushu competitions with a bronzer, there's a, what looks like a big handkerchief on the, oh, yeah. the edge of the sword. Like, oh, that's a really cool decoration. But that also is one of those things where, you know, where you're using that to wipe things out, wipe off your hand so that, you know, you can hold onto the sword. So there's wow. all of these type of things that exist within, especially traditional martial arts. Oh, you know, that looks kind of cool. That's fancy or whatever. That's, but they're born from a practical side of things. Yeah, the practicality of it. Or, yeah. Yeah, for example, uh, you know, a lot of martial arts, they have some sort of like kimono sort of uniform. Well, that's what they wore back then. That's yeah. Not, uh, <laughs> it's not, we may not be walking around with that, but there's there's reasons why certain things are the way they are. And, and what is amazing to see mixed martial arts or mixing these styles to try more complete style or modernize whatever the modern era would be. A modernized uh, stuff like like you watch John Wick and they got gun foo and yes. horse foo and knife foo. <laughs> yes, but 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 that's one of those things also that uh, like martial artists, especially like Chinese martial artists, my time period, were all inspired by Bruce Lee, and you know that original inspiration was Bruce Lee. And at that point had less about, you know, the, the, the beauty of Chinese martial arts and more of the effectiveness of fighting. 
Okay. Yeah. And for me personally, I hate when people get these things twisted. Bruce Lee, you know, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee's an icon, all of the good things or whatever. But do I think he would beat Demetrius Johnson? I, I, <laughs> not in my wildest dreams. But what he saw, you know, before so many other people saw was that there's no one martial arts style that's superior. You know, yeah. and so you take the best thing of, uh, you know, whatever arts there are, and you add your own particular twist to things. And this is how you represent yourself. This is really the crystallization of how you can express yourself honestly. Even though I love Chinese martial arts and, you know, eventually was influenced by Jackie Chan and then really Jet Li or whatever, it always circles back to how can we use this as self-defense and actually, you know, uh, expressing yeah. oneself honestly and that's why you know oh honestly you know there might be limitations in some of these arts and you know, or at least you know from my perspective maybe i don't know everything so the, what i learned from chinese martial arts from what i know oh you know this this is maybe it's great here but it's lacking here and same thing with you know from what I know of jujitsu, yeah. oh, it's great here, but it's lacking here. And from what I know of boxing, it's great here, but it's lacking here. But if you take all of those great things, try, you know, and then add your own, you know, uh, special twerk in order to, to mix and match and have them flow together. This is that beauty of expressing oneself honestly or being able to express yourself in mixed martial arts. And that's why, that's why I love that stuff too. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I love that because you, know, you have your core art or style or whatever. Sure. But, like, even Bruce Lee, right? Like He was incorporating Taekwondo kicks. Yeah. Uh, he had some like judo. He was open with Dan Inasano. That's where he gets like the, the nunchucks, um, you know, more and more things like that. And I think that's also an important factor as a, a martial artist or a lifelong martial artist there's more than one way or be open or maybe you're, I tell guys like, you know, we do a lot of grappling in our school. So mm -hmm. you have a, your own personalities in life, your own uh, jujitsu personality or, or your own grappling personality. You may be a taller, lankier guy who wants to compete all the time. And it's a shorter, stocky guy that's doing this for street self-defense or whatever. Sure. It's, it's different goals and flows about that. And that's what I love about you and having interviewed some of the other more combat guys is that you start with your style and anybody of any martial art caliber has that. They, they're open-minded as obviously they have their core techniques and whatnot. Yes, I, I, I totally agree with that. You know, yeah, everybody has their, their, their core style. This is, you know, this is what, this is home for them. But, but when you're able to open up your mind and see, oh yeah, there's a world beyond our home and I'm always going to come home, but I also want to see the rest of the world. So, <laughs> yeah. Variety is the spice of life, as they say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know you run Extreme Kung Fu. Is there anything like future plans you have, whether it's martial arts or with the gym or you have the band, you have books, anything future plans? I know we got the 30th anniversary of more comic yeah, going so, on. So, yeah. So really, 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 you know, just real quick, you know, I think uh, every gym owner, you know, this was a very rough couple of years, you know. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
brutal is what it was, man. <laughs> brutal is what it was. Yes, you know, we all had our, our we all had our gym. You all had our our student base. We were shut down. Uh, obviously, you know, no matter how you're trying to scramble, you know, online or whatever, it affected everybody. The economy is what it is right now, and so we are in a position where to rebuild. If anybody listening, if your gym was one of the gyms that didn't shut down, you know, I think we're very lucky lucky that we still have the opportunity to have our gyms uh we're lucky with our student base that stayed with us and so you know now we have the opportunity to grow our gyms again to make them better and so one of my one of my goals you know for 2022 like i I write things down every year like EKF open this year (laughs) (laughs) and and so you know that is the case you know things are very much looking up we have the 30th anniversary of Mortal Kombat Uh, you know I'm so grateful that we're still talking 30 years on about this franchise that you know has been uh, I've been so honored to be part of and I'm so honored that people find value and entertainment in this franchise and I get to be a little bit a part of that and then there's you know the the artistic side of there's a there's a second album that's ready to go and so now we need to start getting this out uh i just want you to love me prove your love live light sexy beast all of these songs that are just that need to get out there it it just i feel like if bon jovi was influenced by michael jackson and was covered in bruce lee he would be me and so that's what these songs are (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and of course fueled by passion drive goal and don't forget coffee yes yes <laughs> if you ever <laughs> it's always starbucks it's always a venti lot uh venti mocha easy whip <laughs> but this, this, uh, if you were to if you were to cut me open and squeeze my veins, you would see. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> it's driven by a mocha. <laughs> driven by mocha. That's another T-shirt we should. Uh... <laughs> That's amazing. Um, uh, Tony, where do you want uh, to direct people to to check you out? Whether it's the gym, your music, things like that. Okay. Yeah. So. Kung Lao and the Scorpion, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube Music, anywhere that you stream music. You could follow me on Instagram at Anthony Marquez underscore Kong underscore Lao, or look us up. You know, if you're in the area and you want to check out the gym, it's EKF Martial Arts or on social media, EKF Chicago. Awesome. Amazing. Tony, thank you so much for taking time to do the show. It's always awesome catching up with you. Uh, phenomenal martial artist. I was super excited they have you on because they have that different mindset for everybody going into things. And honestly, every time around you or hear you do an interview or anything, always a ray of positivity, which is very appreciated and needed these days and times. You know, yes. Uh, if, if, you know, if everybody could just, again, I hate, I hate saying this stuff, but, uh, you know, if everyone can just start with themselves, try to become the best person that you can be, and then try to spread that out to the community, how much better would this world be? <laughs> yeah. Just that is just that easy. And coffee. Yeah. And coffee. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warriors Edge Podcast. For more great talks and interviews on all things martial arts, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ever in our area, you're welcome to come in and train with us at our Academy Olympus Grappling Arts. Until the next one, 
Keep listening and keep training.